and welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, we are excited today. Uh, this is, um, you know, anytime, Bubba, that you have a, a guest lined up and, and there's so much to cover that 45 minutes uh, doesn't feel like it's going to be enough, um, that, that's always exciting. And we'll try to be good stewards uh, of the time. Uh, we're introducing you this week to a man that uh, that we have uh, nicknamed. He has not nicknamed himself this. A modern day Indiana Jones, a former FBI trained police investigator, SWAT team member, uh, now a biblical investigator, international explorer, and best selling author, uh, with a compilation of eleven incredible books. Bubba, he has been in over seventy international expeditions, searching the world over for lost locations that are described. In the Holy Word of God, he is the current president of uh, the Bible Archaeology Search and Exploration Institute located in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, and we welcome to Rick and Bubba University for his debut, but certainly not the last time he'll be here, I don't think, Bob Cornuke. Bob, welcome to the Rick and Bubba University podcast. Thank you, and it's great to be here, guys. So, Bob, wow, wow when you Bob, say Bob, you're Bob, a, Bob. a real-life Indiana Jones or that, that nickname is floating around, that uh, that's pretty exciting stuff. Well, it was first given to me by National Geographic, and then it's just kind of taken a life of its own. I, I told people, I don't want that. I don't want that connection. But it seems to be what the culture understands pretty quick, what you do, so... I've had to live with it, and it's kind of fun, I guess. So do you wear the hat? <laughs> no, I don't wear the hat, and I don't have the whip. But, uh, <laughs> well, So tell us a little bit about your background. How yeah. did you even get into the archaeology, and a special, uh, especially biblical archaeology? Well, that's interesting. I come from a family that never went to church and, and uh, came to Christ as a police officer through a friend of mine, Sig Swanstrom, who was my roommate, led me to, led me to the Lord. And then I got, uh, you know, after about 10 years on in the police department, I got involved in a very bad shootout. A guy uh, lit his truck on fire in his front yard to lure the police and the fire to that to his house with the intent of killing the police officer because he got arrested the night before for drunk driving and lost his job and his family left him. So I was uh, I was the one that pulled up. But fortunately, I was a detective at the time and was in plain clothes. But uh, I walked up to the front door. He put a rifle to my forehead and then. Uh, he, he was drunk. That's why he didn't hit me. But uh, he, he sh- we, we had a three-hour uh, exchange of rounds with 700 rounds expended, and I was within 30 feet of him. But after uh, he came out and came to me really close with a gun, I, I, I shot him with a shotgun and killed him with another friend of mine that shot him, too. Um, and uh, I, it was it was just tough looking down at a guy that's torn to pieces with his guts hanging out and and I, it just really bothered me and it kind of hollowed me out. And, and I, I went to Colorado uh, uh, for a vacation about two weeks later to sort of clear my head. And I was fly fishing with my brother. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about going to Colorado. So it ended all this craziness. So I did. And I happened to meet a guy named Jim Irwin, the eighth man to walk on the moon, first one to drive the car on the moon. We became friends in Colorado. He said, hey, let's go look for Noah's Ark. He was actively doing that. And then that led to looking for Mount Sinai, the Ark of the Covenant, Paul Shipwreck, the temple, and tombs and everything else that we've been doing. So we've had pretty good success uh, with finding things. Well, that's fascinating, and I'm sorry that you went through the trauma you went through, but God, uh, again, kind of used it to redirect your life. And and obviously, you now being a follower of Christ, um, 
we've said this on the show so many times. I don't know how much background you know about the show, but we've been doing a, a secular radio show and now a podcast for over 28 years. Uh, and open that, that we also are followers of Christ, uh, where people say, do y'all do Christian radio? We say, well, we're Christians who do radio. Um, and so, but we don't hide from it. It's, it's a narrative on the show. And one of the things that we've said is we certainly believe by faith, but our faith, uh, is also based on a tremendous amount of evidence and, um, on these expeditions, uh, and some of the things that you have discovered. Um, I think one of the things that your expeditions have made clear the Bible keeps coming up as, as being very accurate. Well, yes, and to and to and, and to and to go back to your to your faith statement, um, Jesus. Uh, of course, faith is great, but some people just have faith in faith. Right. You know, they 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 just don't have a, a, a foundation to stand upon. And so, when Jesus was encountered by Thomas, um, this doubting guy, and he said, "Here's the holes in my hands and my side." and showing the evidence of his, uh, you know, crucifixion, Thomas fell to his face and said, my Lord, my God. And um, that's, that's people, some people just need to see the evidence. When I show evidence of, let's say, the Exodus uh, at Mount Sinai, audiences really kind of have a, the, the Rubik's Cube in their mind, kind of all the colors kind of hit it about the same. And, and a lot of people come to faith through that. And so um, it's, it's real exciting uh, to to be on these expeditions because the Bible is God's revelation of Himself to man. God's the author. Salvation is the end, and truth without any mixture of errors. The content, yeah, you know, the Bible is and shall remain to the end of the world the supreme standard by which we should live, and and we should use it like now to to govern. We should use it in politics. We should use it to raise our children. We should use it to teach people about gun violence. We should use it in any aspect of our life, our monetary income, donating, tithes, things like that. The Bible is the final roadmap. And it's the, I, I tell audiences when I get up and I speak at churches, by the way, I'd love for it to come speak at your church, anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell audiences, first thing, don't believe me. Because I'm going to show you a lot of evidence. And some slick guy with a good presentation or really charismatic could have come before me and twisted your mind in the wrong direction. But make sure that you use the Bible as a roadmap. So if I say anything, let the Bible be the final mediator and arbitrator of all this stuff. And then you know you might be dealing with some truth there. Well, some of the expeditions that you have been on, you mentioned one, Mount Sinai, uh, involving the Exodus. I, I, I've even corrected some language in my own life. Uh, we, we, I teach the Bible and get a chance to do uh, a weekly Bible study with men. Then my wife and I teach um, uh, an adult class at our church. And I've really stopped using the term Bible stories. I'm getting where I hate that term. Uh, I think that's led to some of what you said where people look at these things and say, well, they're analogies or uh, it's not quite how it went. These are Bible stories, and, and I'm changing it to today. Let's talk about this moment in world history. Uh, and, and your expeditions have, have, have confirmed that over and over again. Uh, tell, tell me about you say when, when you went to the real Mount Sinai, like this expedition in Egypt, uh, what, what some of the things you were able to discover. Well, uh, there is a tradition, and you know we, we got to start off by talking about traditions because Jesus says your traditions will nullify the word of God and God in Mark seven thirteen. Your traditions, it says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of man and not according to the basic principles of Christ. 
So we have traditions here as being a, a, a something that's mentioned 14 times in Scripture, and it's virtually all negative. There's never any positive thing about Christians other than if it's said by Jesus and the apostles. So we should really watch out. I think traditions have taken us off the rails in a lot of things we do. And one of the traditions is that Mount Sinai is in the Sinai Peninsula. It was anointed there by Queen Helena, who was a mother of Constantine, who was the emperor of Rome in, in the fourth century. And, you know, when, when she says something, everybody puts a pin on the map. In fact, she went over there and guessed another one mountain and they didn't like it. And they, she said, she said, well, guess another one. She guessed Mount Sinai that we know in the Sinai Peninsula. And eventually the whole peninsula gets named Sinai. But the Bible says in Galatians 4.25 that Mount Sinai is in Arabia. Whoa, wait a second. That goes against tradition. And so, uh, but traditions are so strong, they're a huge rock in the road to truth. But the evidence that we found at Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia is overwhelming. And it even, uh, just recently, I have an article here I was just reading on Bible Archaeology Review magazine by Herschel Shanks. And one of the last things that the great professor, uh, Frank Moore Cross, said, he was a professor emeritus at Harvard. He was a, the third oldest chair in, in the Near East Studies. Uh, Professor Emeritus, last thing he said before he died was, hey, Mount Sinai is in Arabia, because that's where it says in Scripture. So uh, we're, we're very encouraged that a lot of people now have come on. There's tours going over there. People are writing books right and left. I'm kind of got less left in the dust. You know, I'm the pioneer of the, <laughs> of, of the discovery. but I And I don't mind that, because my whole point is message and not monetary gain. I just say, God, my, my part of God is just use me. And, uh, and if I'm just the, the person to kind of open the door to it, great. But one of the things I'm outside that my kids love is that, and I have to show you this, this is a Trivial Pursuit card. All right. And it says, what sacred peak did adventurers Larry Williams and Bob Cornell claim they found after sneaking into Saudi Arabia? So, guys, when you make Trivial Pursuit, you've arrived. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I bet everything else you've done, it took that to get your kids fired up. There we go. That, that, that my kids go, ah, dad, and all this other stuff's a bunch of hooey. But well, he's on my he's on trivial pursuit. That was pretty exciting to know. So so Bob, what other evidence did you find there that leads you to that belief other than that that reference in the Bible? Well, there's so many there's so much evidence that if you see it in, in totality, and it's difficult to do on, on a show like this without the video going, but um I'll I'll try to be brief. Um the, the evidence is so overwhelming that you have to force feed your mind past reason and logic to ignore it. Uh, there's a scorched mountain peak. God said he descended on the mountain in flames of, of, of a furnace. And that's the only mountain around. And it's just and the rocks are granite and they're melted on the outside. It's quite spectacular to see the videos. And then the Bible talks about there's an altar at the foot of the mountain. And right at the foot of the mountain, we found an altar. Uh, and it says with 12 stone pillars, and we had pillars that were all knocked over. And, and there, there, there's a golden calf altar there with golden with, with calf uh, bovine inscribed on it. Um, uh, on on the uh, on the, on the altar itself, there's no cows, or no bovine in Saudi Arabia. They're not indigenous to the area, so they're they're. Why do we have this worshiping altar for the golden calf that's right at the foot of the mountain? And then we have. Um, 
uh, the, the split rock that was not discovered by me. I drove past it and did see it, but Jim and Penny Caldwell out of Mississippi uh, found this uh, a, a rock and it, it was split as huge, 40 feet high. And the whole bottom of it is just washed away with water, it has big, where it's gouged out and whatnot, where the water that goes through there. And we found gr the graves of the 3,000 with the mortar stones in it, you know, where Moses killed the 3,000. We have uh, an orgy stone over there, right where the golden calf altar is. Of course, they had an orgy going on. There's a big orgy stone that they just discovered. The, the, the Bedouins took me over to it. I was just over there a couple years ago again. And uh, it, it just on and on. I'm probably forgetting, you know, boundary markers around the mountains, things like all those things that the Bible talks about. It's like the movie set of the Ten Commandments, and then people just left. So it's very encouraging to me. And now it's, it's really sparked. Most Bible maps are changed. Uh, because of what we did, uh, the, the Times Atlas of the Bible, the Harper Concise, all those rows, Bible, they're all changing. All those maps are changing and showing Mount Sinai is probably in the Saudi, in, in, in the northwest quadrant of Saudi Arabia, where the Bible says it should be. Wow, that's quite an impressive list. I, I mean, if you just had a handful of those, yeah. uh, it would be quite impressive. And, and, and that, that just seems so, as you said, uh, so obvious. We'll come back. We're going to continue our conversation with Bob Cornuke. Uh, the real life, well, he didn't like to be called that, Indiana Jones, but a, uh, a man who is studying uh, all over the world, finding archaeology that is keeps saying the Bible says these things happen, and here's the proof they absolutely did. And we'll continue this conversation when we come back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. Bob Cornuke is our guest. Uh, he is uh, now a biblical investigator, international explorer, and best-selling author. He's the president of the Bible Archaeology Search and Exploration Institute in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We just talked about the incredible discovery that is literally changing uh, maps on uh, the location of Mount Sinai, the Mount Sinai of the Bible, and uh, the evidence there overwhelming. And um, so you talked about, uh, you told us that you you did develop a friendship with Apollo 15 astronaut Jim Irwin. Uh, you have done, like many before you, uh, in an attempt to find the remains of uh, Noah's Ark. Uh, give us give us an update on, on that uh, expedition. Well, that's, you know, I, I hate looking for Noah's Ark. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just a big beast of Mount Ararat in Turkey is just a big, big beast of a mountain. It's no water on top. There's no trails, all just boulders and avalanches all over. And, and it's just, it's a very dangerous, a lot of people have gone up there and never come back down. Mm. And, uh, one guy was missing when we were over there, we were trying to find his body or him or whatever, but he was, he had not come down. So it, it's a dangerous mountain. And then you got the terrorists that are on the mountain. And uh, when one of the one of the trips I went up there, uh, we were with the uh, the Kurdish guides, and the Turkish government is in war with the Turks or with 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 the Kurds on the mountain. So just over the ridge, a gunship came, and there was uh, twelve people killed. Big gunfight. We hid under the rocks. We stuffed our backpacks and everything, and wedged underneath the rocks so they couldn't see us and shelter us from all the shooting. But after that day, then uh, then we were told we got to get off the mountain because the Turks were going to shoot every Kurd that they could, and we're with the Kurds, so we had to come down the mountain at night without any lights, and it just 
tear you know tears you up those rocks are just razor they're like volcanic little razor blades on them and and i come down and it was brutal coming down at night uh the, the horses were crying their legs were all bloody we were all bloody and it was just it was just a it's a tough night so i don't know why god in all his wisdom couldn't have the ark land on the mountains of maui yeah you know, yeah, right. nice to do that. so but do you think that's the location do you think the location is accurate no, I don't. And I'm one of the very few in the world that believes that, uh, that, that, that goes against that, that tradition. That, that tradition got started when Marco Polo went through there in the 1200s. He came back to Europe and said he heard by the, the, you know, by, by the local indigenous Armenian people that, that, that Noah's Ark came to rest on Mount Ararat over there. Well, the Armenians just had their Bibles translated. They look in behind them. It's the biggest mountain in the region. They said that's Mount Ararat. And so uh, scripture gives us clear indication that, that, that the Bible says that the ark came to rest on the mountains, plural of Ararat. And if you read in, in, in uh, let's see, Genesis 11, 1 and 2, it says the descendants of Noah journeyed from the east and they settled in Shinar, which is Baghdad. Well, you come from the east from there, you're coming from the northern mountains of Iran, uh, which is where the huge, much bigger mountains, the Elbers Mountain, the Elbers Mountain Range, and uh, those though, and, and around the Caspian Sea, those big mountains are out there, the Zagros Mountains. So, uh, if you read historians going way, way back, uh, you know uh, Nicholas of Damascus, people like that, Josephus, they're all saying that it, it's in the region of the Adiabene, or it's in the region of the Minyas, which the Minya tribes are in uh, in in uh, over in northern Iran. So. I don't think we should be dogmatic on Mount Ararat in Turkey. Uh, I think uh, because this one cone mountain comes out of the Anatolian plain and the mountain, and the Bible says the arcane arrest in the mountains of Ararat, and then the other mountains be, began to be uh, appearing. So if we really, if we really do an, a historical autopsy uh, on a lot of these subjects, we're going to find the tradition has just boogered up the whole mess a lot of times. And of course I get a lot of flack on the internet and a lot of tax on the internet. You know, you look at my, you know, they just, I'm just like ravenous dogs. They come after me, but I'm after truth. I'm not after pleasing them or placating those that fall into the trap of tradition. So the, the first location, the one in Turkey, is that the one that the, the famous movie when we were growing up in search of Noah's Ark, is that the location they focused on? Yeah, that's yeah, that's the movie, and and they focused on the movie. the The movie showed uh, pictures of a World War One <laughs> airplane or biplane going around the mountain, and uh, it was uh, they said it was a Russian by the name of Roskovsky, and then I might be messing that up, but something like Roskovsky. But um, and then he took the film back, uh, showed the czar. The czar sent over a expedition they went up the mountain they measured it they found it measured it took photos of it and then the and then the 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 video became archival in 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 moscow and so uh everybody's been you know hanging on this as a huge thing we want to get we want to, they they're petitioning moscow and the, the government to release it then the soviet and now the russians but um I tracked down the guy that that that, that started that story, and um, he was he was a pastor, uh, probably for the family. I'm not going to mention his name, but I do have the letter in my file right here. But this this pastor uh, from Missouri, I think it was, uh, wrote a letter in, in in of apology and sent it to Jim Irwin's wife, Mary Irwin. Jim had died then. And she gave me the letter and the letter was a confession that he made the whole story up. He had a Russian roommate. 
Uh, it was it was in the Stars and Stripes magazine in World War II in 1942 and uh, or 43 right in there. And he wrote this story and he didn't realize that it would he made it up and 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 everybody just and 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 that's the trap we 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 go into. We oh, yeah. we're so desperate to find these things sometimes that it really blinds us to what what reality is. And as a police investigator, you see, there's two ways to find truth. Uh, one is evidence plus plus proof, which is a wrong way. That's what every, all universities use is evidence plus proof. Uh, that's where uh, you you have an, a, a hypothesis, then you find everybody that agrees with you. And you footnote it in books, and you you surround yourself in the safe harbor of mutual consent. But the real way, the cop way to find truth is problem plus possibility. What are the problems, and what are the possibilities? That way, you avoid the landmines of tradition and emotion. So when you're when when you're a police officer, for instance, Mount Sinai, it says it's in Arabia. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. And what are the possibilities? So that's why we find these things is that we don't we don't get boxed in uh, to this paradigm of this is it and there's no other place. We say, wait a second, why do people say this? And 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 it's just sad that a lot of these scholars are just like little kids that just brilliant guys, and they have they they stay with their buddies that agree. They they, they regurgitate and they don't investigate. That's the problem. Bob, do you do you think where where you're thinking Noah's yeah. Ark is more likely to be? Is there any plans, or is it just too vast and, and uh, to even know where to begin to maybe do an expedition? Yeah, did you ever get to go up to that yeah, spot? Did you ever go to? Yeah, any- I, I've been I've been to Iran five times. Uh, the first time I went to the south, I, I got it through the Swedish embassy, through a through a Pakistani contact, and then I uh, went through the Swedish embassy and I got into Iran five times. And there was no, there's nobody over there with me that were American. I didn't see any other Americans. <laughs> right. In fact, in fact, on the side of my hotel, there was there was bombs dropping oh, uh, over over a, a USA flag and saying "Down with America." So I didn't get be- the best room service when I was there. <laughs> but I went to the south of uh, Iran and I traveled and I and I went to every library and university that I could find and and asked about. Had you have any traditions of Noah's Ark? Well, I found more traditions in Iran, 10 times of traditions than I did in Turkey. Right. I mean, everywhere you go in Iran, they have a tradition that that is the mountain. And uh, in fact, when I wrote my book, Ahmed Didajad, the head of Iran at the time, wrote, wrote that uh, he wrote that uh, I was uh, that, that, that Noah's Ark was there. So he kind of took my stuff and he, and he went and he went and ran with it. But um, I went over there and then I went back and 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 we found a mountain. Uh, because there's a guy in World War II said he saw it. And this guy took a lie detector test and I was there and he said he saw Noah's Ark. His name was Ed Davis. Well, he was do, building roads in the war effort during World War II. And he was stationed in Hamadam and he said he saw Noah's Ark. He was taken up by the, the lures, not the Kurds, the lures. So he was pointed at this big wooden object and it was covered in snow. So he drew me a map, a detailed map of the area. Of course, he was, a, he was an engineer, so he wrote a good map. And I followed the map and I found what he was looking at. And it was and it's petrified wood and it's huge. And I went on that expedition with uh, the head of Baylor Medical. I went with the president, the former president of uh, Avis Rental Car. I was with Josh McDowell, who you all know. Yeah, sure. I was with Frank, Frank Turek, the great, you know, so I had some great stellar guys with me to look at this thing. And they're all blown away because it, it looks like petrified wood. The thing is, is that they all wanted me to do a press release saying we found Noah's Ark. 
but um, we just found something that was petrified and was big, and, and I can't go there. I, I can't go there, I said, until we get back and get more information. It doesn't look like we'll get back, but it's a very enticing find. Let's just put it in the category of very, uh, you know, very exotic at this time, but it's not, it, I, I can't make any proclamations on that. But we did find stuff, and it is petrified wood. That, that kind of amazed a lot of people. But, did, um, did you publish pictures of the site, or is there a place people yeah, can go and see that Yeah, I think on, on, the, on, on eBay, on, 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 uh, on YouTube, I think there's a the, – yeah, everybody's pirated my stuff and put it on, on YouTube. <laughs> we were selling it, and I put up my hands. I said, hey, what are we doing here? Do we want to sell this stuff, or do we want to give it away? So – We've been we've been putting a lot of money in videos and then putting it on YouTube, giving it to people because we're more interested in them getting encouraged about the Bible than me making money on the deal. I, I don't want to do that. All right, we'll come back. We'll continue our conversation uh, with Bob Cornuke uh, and Bubba. I know you're waiting on it. I'm waiting on him. We have to ask him about the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, yeah. we have. We'll, we'll discuss that with Bob when Rick and Bubba University the podcast continues. Well, Tommy John. Uh, I know as men, uh, we, we don't talk about underwear a lot and I'm okay with not having those conversations, yeah. but <laughs> I, 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 think we do need to take this opportunity, Bubba, to tell, uh, those of you out there. Now they have stuff for women too at Tommy John, uh, and, and they are quite comfortable and, and think the ladies will love that too. But, but mainly where, where Tommy John to me stands alone is, is underwear for men so much more comfortable than the competition. Oh, Rick, not even close. I, I, I mean, I, I put on a pair the other night, and I, I don't want to be TMI, but I, I thought to myself, you know, every time I do this commercial, uh, I, I think about how it feels to take these, to, to put them on, and how much more comfortable the design is designed the way that God made men uh, to fit our bodies appropriately. Over 17 million pairs have been sold, and, and they have a guarantee if Tommy John's is not the best pair of, of underwear that you've ever worn and you don't agree that it is, uh, then, uh, then they're free. That, that's confidence in the product. And, and right now you get 20% off. If you'll go right, if you're a first timer or you're like us, you, you, you're, you're, you know, one of their fans, go to tommyjohn.com slash Rick Bubba, put our two names together, Rick Bubba and get 20% off. That's tommyjohn.com slash Rick Bubba. Uh, especially the fact that the hot weather is still with us. The design keeps you so much cooler, and you'll notice it. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba for 20% off the best pair of underwear that you've ever worn from Tommy John. So we're doing Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, Bob Cornuke is our guest. Um, we are talking about these uh, incredible explorations uh, that he has been on, finding these historic locations and these artifacts uh, that confirm what Scripture says. And, and, Bob, we have talked about this on the main Rick and Bubba show. Uh, Bubba and I have talked about it privately, the Ark of the Covenant. So, first of all, do do you believe that the Ark of the Covenant still exists on planet Earth? And if so, where do you think it is? Well, that's a, that's a tough question because I've been to uh, – I've, I've traced the Ark of the Covenant from the temple and it, and, and there's a lot of traditions of it going, I hate to use the word tradition, but there's a tradition of going to uh, Egypt and then going to Ethiopia. And so I spent 22 trips over there in 
two books on it. Um, and I've come to conclude, uh, and I, I can make the I can make the breadcrumb trail make sense if you have the time. If you want me to do a, a quick one on it, I can get it to where it goes to Ethiopia. And a lot of people say, wait, 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 what do you mean Ethiopia? What's it? Well, the Bible talks about from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my suppliants to daughters and my dispersed shall bring my offering. My, off my offering is on the singular is always the ark or the tabernacle. So, so we have, uh, we, we have, uh, and I, and Isaiah team saying a great gift will come from, from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is talking about these great gifts coming to Christ or the messianic reign. Uh, and, and uh, we, we, we've come to feel that, and through a professor, Ken Durham from Colorado Christian University used to be there, that the top portion of the ark um, is still probably survives. The lower portion was made out of wood, but the upper portion is a throne in shape and, and, and in designation. And then it will be the throne of Christ in the messianic reign. And so all these great things are coming from Ethiopia. And then we have, the, we, we have the Ethiopian eunuch going down into Israel. Uh, he's going down there for the festivals and he's coming back and, you know, Philip contacts him and he starts reading from Isaiah 53. And so we believe that the, that the, uh, and he had Isaiah 18 with him. So he, I believe he was going down there to check out what the ark is and then, and, and, and bring it back because he was head of all the te temple treasures of Queen Candace and Queen Candace is from Oxum. So I have written a book and, and been over there and done, I don't know how many history channel, travel channel, discovery channel shows on this. But um, I, I can make a strong case if you have the time that the ark came from uh, Jerusalem um, during the time of Josiah. Uh, I'm sorry, during the time of Manasseh, evil king, yeah. and then going to uh, going to Egypt and staying uh, on on an island there in Egypt, um, and then eventually brought down the Nile or up the Nile to, to a place in Ethiopia um, called Lake Tana, where it, where it sat for 800 years. And then King Izana uh, was converted to Christianity. He brought the Ark then to Aksum, where it is today. It's an Aksum Ethiopian, a church there. And there, uh, the, now, they, now, did they have the Ark? The big question, they either have the Ark of the Covenant, the actual Ark of the Covenant, or they have a replica that they have come to believe is the Ark. And they've had it for over 2,000 years. It's very secret. They won't let anybody in there. Even the patriarch of the church can't get in there. Um, I met with the president of Ethiopia. I gave him a flag that went to the moon that the Irwin family gave me. And he said, look, I'm the president of Ethiopia. I can tell you if we have it or not. I've got, you know, I've, I've got people that, can, that you know, that, that, that are special, special, secret kind of people. And they say, yeah, it's, it's, we, we have the actual Ark of the Covenant and it's in, it's, it's in the church in St. Mary's of Zion church in Ethiopia. Now that's foreign to a lot of people and they're going, I maybe have lost them by now, but boy, after 22 trips, I believe they have the real deal or a replica that they believe is a real deal. And, and Bob, I guess one reason you're saying that, because we, we've seen other specials too that would point to that same location. And when I have met people from that country, they all think it's there. They, they just matter of fact say, well, yeah, it is. But there's people who actually are, are raised up to be guards of that and will go and spend their whole life uh, guarding that and never have a life. So if I understood correctly, some of the specials I've seen, so, kind of agreeing with what you said, either they do or they think they do because they're, people are dedicating their whole life to preserving it. You know, you're right, uh, because why would someone stay in a compound about the size of a basketball court, which was fenced in, and never leave his entire life there? 
And so I taught, I've known every guardian for the last 30 years. And so, uh, and there's been, and, and they die off, they, they die pretty quick because they just die in Ethiopia and it's dirty and yeah. there's no food. There's no medicine he gets or anything like that. So they die off pretty, but I got to know all of them and they all tell me the same thing because I, I brought over uh, every time I go over there, I, I've never said this publicly and I, maybe I shouldn't say it now, but I don't like to toot my horn like this, but uh, my wife and I raised uh, $2 million and we raised uh, through donations on Barry Hudson in Indianapolis, a very, very generous donor, him and his wife, Elizabeth. But we built a school over there for over a thousand kids. We built a, a hospital, uh, a neonatal clinic, and we built, uh, uh, we helped, we helped build an, an, an orphanage over there. And, um, because of that, Ben Carson recommended that my wife and I be the ambassadors to Ethiopia with Donald Trump. Well, then Trump didn't get elected, and so kind of went went by the way of the dinosaurs. So, but we were we were tapped to be the ambassadors to Ethiopia. Well, th- that, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Plus, I mean, there is a lot of tie yeah. to Ethiopia with Moses, with Solomon. I mean, there's just there seems to be a lot of connection there too that just would indicate that that maybe that was there. And like I said, the people, the way they're acting, let me ask you this. And this is off the subject slightly, but not really. Where is the Ark of the Covenant as far as its importance today? Uh, when Jesus died on the cross, the, the, the Holy of Holies, the curtain was ripped. Uh, it really, I, I think in my mind, it does not have any power or, importance other than an important artifact now to prove that the Bible was true, what it was talking about. Do you see it that way or do you think there's still more I, I to think it? It's dormant. I think it's done it. I think it's had its day and it was used in the day and it had the power in the day. And we see the movie Indiana Jones and there's flames coming out of it and all. I think I think that, that it, it's dormant. As far as I can tell from the Ethiopians, um it's it's in a stone sarcophagus over there which which is sleeved with very ornate silver. And the inside of the building, a lot of people say, why don't people just go get it? Well, the inside of the building, they put the ark in the, in the corner. Then they built a sequence of, of, of hallways that go all through there. And uh, even if you get it, you have to make it into small pieces because you're not going to get it out. It's kind of like you're carrying a couch down a hallway yeah, right. when you move into a room and you got to turn it. Well, they make these real narrow hallways through there. It, 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 and I helped with the design and, and uh, was consulting on the new the new room that they just built next to it, uh, they they because of the water was leaking in, so they they built a new one, and I had the plans to it, and and I helped with that. But uh, they they seem to give me, I'm the only foreigner on their advisory committees, and a lot of this stuff I'm sworn to secrecy that I can't tell you, but I can tell you that they those that have been in 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 the presence of it believe it's to be the ark, but they they don't really worship the ark as much as the the tablets which they call Taubuts. And the Taubuts are what they what they revere more, which is the Ten Commandments. Right. And so when you talk to them, the Ark is sort of this container, you know, this box. And it doesn't, it, it's not when we see the Ark of the Covenant in Ethiopia, what they're really worshiping is the tablets, the Taubuts. And so uh, we, 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 you know, those are on a stone setting out in the middle of the room. And I could tell you what they look like and, and everything else. But um, it's pretty fascinating that they've allowed me to be sort of in the inner circle, and I feel a holy trust to them to, 
to honor that. What was it? What's sad though is about uh, last year. In fact, I was just on the phone to Ethiopia yesterday, or I'm sorry, the day before, and uh, I was giving. Uh, 800 people were killed, massacred mm. uh, over there by the Eritreans and, and the other uh, guerrillas that are coming in the area trying to get the ark and. Um, they did not, but 800 people were killed at the church, and, and two of them, Gadefa and then Arud, were dear friends of mine oh, that sorry. we helped financially and, and otherwise, and they they were killed. So I'm grieving over that, just hearing that they died. I mean, I'm really upset over that because these are dear, dear people and dear friends. You, you want to find the nicest, sweetest people in the world, go to Ethiopia. No doubt. They're, mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're, they're beautiful people. I tell Bubba the same thing. My wife and I and two of my sons went. And I said, I think I've met the most beautiful, kindest people on the planet. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with that. And, I, and and like Bubba said, like you said, and you're now confirming, uh, they think they have it because yeah. uh, because uh, the man that was with me, I asked him, and he said, oh, we absolutely have it. Uh, whether it is or isn't, they certainly think it is. Uh, do I have time for yeah, a follow-up here? Let's, break. let's go to break. Yeah. And, Bob, when we come back, I want to ask you about those tablets and also uh, – I saw an event on TV, maybe you know what it is, and maybe it was this this uh, military thing you were talking about, where all the villagers came and surrounded this church, uh, where it looked like just hordes of people around it that were there to protect it. So I want, I want to ask you about that when we come back. We'll be back okay. more, more with, uh, with Bob Cornuke when Rick and Bubba University. The podcast continues. So we talk about life and death a lot, and uh, one thing we know, uh, that if, uh, if, you, if you are not living in the time uh, as as followers of Christ, if you're not living in the time when Christ returns, uh, and uh, you're you're going to die or face Him, one of the one of the, one of the two things is going to happen. So the body is winding away, and and death is one of those things, earthly death, that that we know is impending. Uh, so we should probably prepare uh, for the fact that we may not be here when some of our family still is, and how are they going to be taken care of? If uh, if we have been providing for them, well, one thing you got to have what is is life insurance. But life insurance needs to be simplistic. I want to know that when I die, that my family, if I die before them, receives this amount of money. Well, then that's the reason why we love Ladder. L A D D E R. It's one hundred percent digital. There's no doctors. There's no needles. There's no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, you just answer a few questions about your health in the application, uh, and they use those algorithms, and they work in real time, and they find out if you're instantly approved. I did say $3 million or less, okay? So we also know this. As we age, life insurance becomes more expensive, so it's not something to put off. There'll be no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime you want. You get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Go to ladderlife.com slash rickbubba, L-A-D-D-E-R, life.com slash rickbubba. They make this so simple. Ladderlife.com slash rickbubba. Bob Cornuke is our guest. Uh, you've got us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Have about seven minutes left. Bubba, you had a follow-up question on the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, Bob, just a couple of quick things. I saw a news clip somewhere where it looked like the whole village was out there surrounding the church. I didn't know what that involved or what threat that was, or maybe I'm, I'm thinking of another event. And the other thing, I, I agree with you on the Ark being dormant. Um, but I'm not going to run in there and touch it, Rick. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, that, that thing at the, at the least is a big capacitor. I ain't going, I ain't going to touch that, but, uh, how amazing would it be though, just as an artifact to see? Yeah. That? 
Well, it, it would be an amazing artifact. I do believe that the, the, the potential is, and, and dealing with some professors on this that are they're really excited about this this throne theory about the ark coming to the oh. throne because we talk about in the day that that Christ will come back to to the temple and it will be it will be known as the throne, the place of the throne. So, uh, you know, well, what is Jesus going to sit on? Uh, in, in the throne and, and but the only thing the, the only thing that that that, that really qualifies mm-hmm. is where they placed the blood on the top of the ark was the place of propitiation then in, the Bible says the the blood was put on the east right at the foot of the ark and then on top of the ark where someone would sit and where their feet would be so uh this, so that's where the blood of propitiation was always placed and this is where we think Christ will rule and reign if we're if we're if we're, if we're, if we're right on that we'll you know hopefully find out someday but um and but but if we're wrong then then I, I gotta apologize right now but but uh the arc the thing we need to worry about these artifacts is um we we know that has you know we know that in the in the mm. wilderness when they had the the the, the snake, the brass serpent, right. uh, and, and they held it, and and they if if they got bit by a snake, they would look at it and they'd be healed. Well, people kept that long after that was uh, that was prescribed, and then I think it was Hezekiah had it destroyed. Um, why? Because the people started worshiping this as mm-hmm. an object, right. and the worship all needs to center on 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 Christ, uh, on the Lord, and not on any object. And that's what we have happening in a lot of the churches around the world is they start getting these relics and things and they start worshiping those. And, you know, if, for instance, we find Noah's Ark, I told people we should burn it. We should just put a torch to it and burn it because people are going to take scraps of it and start worshiping the wood. It, it's, it's not the, let, let's say the cross of Christ. It's not the wood that we should worship, but the event mm-hmm. that happened on the wood. Amen. That's what our focus should be on. But Noah's, no, we all want to brush past and touch, uh, you know, something that's holy. Uh, we want to stand where common ground, common real estate was turned into holy ground by a divine event that occurred there. We all want to be there. I'm taking a tour over to Israel next week. People want to be where these things happen. And that's good if it inspires you mm-hmm. to worship Christ in a deeper way. So if we use it as a tool to worship God, great. If we worship, use it as worship to an object and bow down and pray to this object, yeah. then that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. That's idol worship. Bob, one more question. The tablets uh, that were inside the ark, from a biblical standpoint, uh, and I, I think if I remember this correctly, these those were the ones that Moses broke when he came down. So God actually had created those, correct? Well, the, the yeah, the, the the first tablets were were broken. Moses came down and and he he broke them, went back up and got another. But the Bible says that the that the tablets uh, were were the work of God, and then the writing on the tablets was the writing of God. Mm-hmm. So we believe that literacy and letter structure came from what was put on the Ten Commandments. It was in the finger of God, and it goes all the way back to the I mean, If you look and you see where where writing really it developed it. Interestingly enough, 3,500 years ago in Northwest Saudi Arabia is where they say that writing began. Yeah. The Phoenicians get all the credit because they went and sailed out and took this stuff. But then, then, the, then, the, then the Greeks added, you know, some some of some, some of the letter structure and vowels, and then and then the, the Romans added the, le- the letter structure more 
precise that we have. So as as the evolution of, of, of literature came, it was the writing on Mount Sinai, and that's when Moses was up there 40 days. He was he was a, a linguist. He was poor of speech, but he was a linguist. He was brilliant as far as languages go. And and he created a new language. And that's why that that's why the the this ragtag group of, of Hebrews slaves became a world-dominating power by the time of Solomon because they had information transferred. They had the letter structure. Before that, it was all hieroglyphics or uh, or just, uh, you know, cuneiform, which is one-dimensional. Uh, writing is is uh, multi-dimensional. You can, you can put in feelings and thoughts and love. And so God said, I'm going to give you a new language. And it started on Mount Sinai on the Ten Commandments. Wow. That's incredible. We're we're down now to a minute, so there's no way to get into any uh, of the rest of this. We, we knew I, this would happen, Bob. Yeah, but we knew that we we. I, you we know, knew I, it. I love that you uh, may have found uh, Paul's um, shipwreck that that is referenced in Scripture. Uh, that that can be another day in your ongoing search for the true temple site of Herod uh, and the actual location of Golgotha. Um, so we, we didn't get into those. I know those are still ongoing. Uh, the one about Peter's shipwreck, though, I know that one has has a lot of evidence. And and I guess uh, in, with 45 seconds left, I, I think I know the answer to this question. Uh, all these things have done nothing but enhance the faith that you already had, that God is saying, I'm not afraid to show you these things, but we need, need to make clear as you already have, just don't worship them. Yeah, well, what it's done for my faith is, is I... I uh, uh, you know, I I was a real skeptic when I started off on it because the the university system and the school system indoctrinates you to be a, to, to to believe all this stuff is myth, legend, and allegory. Right. But as I've done this research over this time, I believe that the Bible is historically, prophetically, and contextually accurate in all aspects. And if people say the Bible contradicts itself, what they're saying is it contradicts our lifestyle. They 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 they, they can't argue with the with the Bible if they really look at it with an open heart. Bob, thank you for your time. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And it thanks, is good stuff. Thanks for the work you're doing. Thanks to every one of you that joined us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash rickandbubba.